Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the WTF podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. I am thrilled to have Francisca Hai join me for this episode. Francisca is the CEO and co-founder of Unconventional Capital, or ONCAP, that is revolutionizing access to VC funding for early stage startups in Africa. ONCAP was founded on the belief that funding is one of the main barriers to equal opportunity and that access to funding is not only unequally distributed, but also highly biased in regard to gender, educational background, location, and personal relations. The economic unattractiveness and limitations to capital of small ticket sizes further hampers the access to funding, which strips whole regions of the catalytic effect of um, entrepreneurship can have on innovation, social economic development, and job creation. Francisca, welcome to the show. Michelle, thank you so, so much. And thank you for the kind introduction. I have the feeling you already explained everything about OnCamp. <laughs> but feel free to tell us about your why. Why did you start OnCamp and what is the big problem that you are solving? Absolutely. No, very, very happy to do that. Um, so I think basically for us, the why was that um, there's so much human potential in Africa. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like one of the the, the youngest regions um, in the world. Um, it's a continent, I think like the median age is I think 19 years old. It's a continent full of kind of like bright and more and more really well-educated people, um, but there are just not enough jobs. And at the same time, it's also one of the most entrepreneurial continents um, or regions. And so basically when we looked at the problem, um, we were wondering like, how can you actually use that potential um, and I think that potential could be both. So either you're not able to use it, and then we're still, I think, like latest estimations from Yen, as like we're still talking about 80% of extreme poverty being in Africa in 2050. But I think if you are able to use that potential for kind of like of young people to, to start businesses, to create jobs, um, then this could be like um, a total success story. Um, and this is something that we believe in. Um, and but one of the main barriers is access to funding. I think like 98% of early stage companies don't have access to funding. And that just means that your potential to, to grow a company, um, to create jobs for others, to create economic opportunities is like highly limited. Um, and this is, this is basically our why. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell us how you got started and how it's going. Um, how we got started, it feels like, actually, it feels ages ago, but it's only been, like, since official founding of the company, it's been only been a little bit more than two years. Um, and when we started, um, 
we started basically with the problem. So we didn't start with a solution. We only saw that there is this potential and there is this funding gap, the missing middle funding gap. Um, but it seems nothing is really happening at scale. Um, and so back then when we started, we really, um, we kicked off with basically, basically a pilot where we were um, trying to better understand the problem before thinking of any solution. Um, and back then, basically what we did is that we, we came up with a very um, silly name. We called ourselves Jumpstart21. We put up a website um, with basically a couple of pictures and we said, well, if you're an entrepreneur in Sub-Saharan Africa, you need less than $50,000 funding, please apply. We put up a Google survey and we just wanted to see who shows up. We wanted to see like, who are the entrepreneurs that actually need funding? How much funding do they need? What are they working on? What is their background? Um, and we were surprised by basically um, the feedback we got because like, honestly, like no one knew us. The website was not very professional, <laughs> but within like a week or two, we had over 200 applications from 20 different countries. Um, and it was so fantastic to see because the, the applications were quite, quite good um, in terms of quality. And so we could see that entrepreneurs put in effort to fill an application for a company they don't know that no one actually knows. Um, and we basically, we then, um, we did a tour through a couple of countries in East Africa because that's where most of the applications came from. Um, and we're just sitting down with a couple of the applicants to see like, what, who are the faces behind those applications? Um, and we were sitting down with just kick as entrepreneurs, like most of them probably in their like late 20s, early 30s, late 30s, working on really great idea, very well educated, very ambitious, very driven. Most of them had some sort of like um, prototype already and now they needed their first like 20, $30,000 to basically get to the next step. And I think at least for me, that was the moment where I had to feel, okay, this is like, no matter how long it takes, like this is something we need to solve because because it was so obvious if these founders were located somewhere else um let's say in in munich in berlin in london in san francisco um and they were probably also would have a different gender maybe a different skin color then access to funding would be actually like no big deal at all just based on the potential that they have um and this was basically that was that was how we got started back then. Um, and then it followed like two years of trying and testing and kind of like developing, going back and forth. Um, and what we basically did over the last um, two years is that we we started with the idea: how can you how can you invest in early stage entrepreneurs at ticket sizes at an average of twenty thousand dollars? in a way that is truly scalable and in a way that is also profitable. Um, because what we see is that um, the few actors that are in that space where they're funding early stage entrepreneurs, um, they're kind of like donor funded. So they're providing grants. And I think that's fantastic. It's good that this exists, but A, you're not really creating a competitive financial industry around it. Um, and B, grant funding will always be limited and it comes with certain strings attached. Um, and it also, I think, creates a very different power dynamic than when you're kind of like investing in a business as a partner. And so we basically, in order to be able to do that, we had to find a way to lower the cost 
of doing an investment to a limit to a, basically to a level where you're able to do a $20,000 deal and still make profit, but also make it in a way where we can actually not like do five deals per year, um, but like 50,000 deals per year at some point in the future. Um, Did you say 50,000 <laughs> deals per year? Yeah. And I mean, I, I know that I know it sounds crazy, um, but I mean, who says that we cannot reach the scale of microfinance with seed funding? Like, I think we're just, we're so used to this being a very exclusive hand-selected process where you're kind of like applying to a VC fund and you talk to 10 different ones and then they do their five very exclusive deals per year. Um, but in order to be able to serve the kind of like 20 million plus early stage entrepreneurs in Sub-Saharan Africa, this will just not cut it. <laughs> so we need to think in that dimension. And I mean, 50,000 entrepreneurs, that, that's still, it's still a drop in the ocean. So what you're talking about is very game changing because no one else out there in, in the funding space, especially for VCs, is talking about doing 50,000 deals a year. Because as you mentioned, it's usually a couple of deals, handful, right? Five or so, or maybe a little bit more of VC deals that a particular VC would do in an emerging market like the African continent or in a particular country on the, the continent per year. And you are proposing to do potentially 50,000. That just seems crazy. What's the response that you get when you say this from other investors? Uh, that, that's exactly the response. Um, but I think, like, interestingly enough, the, the response changed over time. So when we started off in 2019 and I talked to a couple of investors about it, um, I think they really thought we were just like, this is a completely ridiculous idea. This will never work. They're like two white girls trying to to kind of like start this fintech startup in Africa. They have no clue. This will just never work because it's not the way how we're used to. Um, but I think so far, I mean, we're now two years in, we're still there. The team is growing, the platforms develop, the portfolio is performing. Um, and now I think we still get these kind of like, you guys are crazy, but I would love to hear more. And I think there's also this momentum in the region at the moment that more and more funders, um, investors, but also entrepreneurs know that we just need more alternative funding offers. We need to talk about scalable funding. We need to talk about different ways of funding, not only equity. We need to talk about taking out the bias. So I think maybe it's just um, weird two years in, so we have more credibility, but we're also just hitting a momentum where I think um, more and more people realize that in order to change something, we can't, we can't go down the route we used to over the last decades. So you have this crazy idea that a lot of people think are, is crazy, but some people did not think it was so crazy because you got investors because you raised money to be able to launch and you're two years in. How are you able to convince the people who've invested in making Uncap a reality that this was just not madness? Um, so I think actually um, fundraising in the very big, so basically we also there, we went through a journey of um, where it was easier and then harder to convince people. Um, and I think in the very early beginning, um, we met some investors and we basically, we told them there's a huge market, there's huge potential, 
there is a huge gap in funding. So like a, a big opportunity, no one so far is able to address that opportunity. Um, we're trying to find a way to address that opportunity through technology. Um, and this, like, if you put it in that terms, I think it, it doesn't sound too crazy. It's probably something that um, you hear again and again as an investor. And then I think the main question is, do I believe that this team can do it? And do I believe that this market is actually a market? Um, and I think that was where in the beginning we were able to convince investors. Um, and then the second part is we, I mean, we didn't set up a fund, right? We set up a company where you as an investor could basically invest in that company. Um, and so you're to some extent um, diversifying your risk um, because you're not only investing in a fund where you're then dependent on the returns of the portfolio companies, but you're investing in a company where you possibly also see other opportunities for revenue generation outside of pure kind of like investing in companies, but kind of like um, giving white label access to the platform, um, connecting with other funders in the market, et cetera. I want to back up a little bit. When you talked about you set up this website, you just threw it up and you got a lot of responses. How did you drive people to the website? We, it's interesting because we, we get that question a lot. And so basically we sent the website to a friend in Uganda. He runs a small company there called Startup Africa. And we just asked, like, can you please just spread the word? We just need a couple of responses to verify a few of the assumptions we have. Um, and somehow, I don't, I don't even know how, but somehow through WhatsApp, people just started sharing it quite a lot. The power started, of virality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they started sharing it across country borders. So I wouldn't have been surprised with 100 applications from Uganda, but 200 plus applications from 20 different countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, that was really something I would not have expected. Um, and the funny thing is that, so the co-founder of this guy in Uganda, she sits in Munich, or back then she, she was in Munich. And in the evening, like I shared it with him in the morning, and in the evening, she texted him and she said, I just got this link from this Jumpstart 21 website. Have you heard about it? He's like, yeah, I shared it this morning. <laughs> so like, it was so, even through like some weird ways, it got so to, it literally, to Germany. It literally made its way around. It completed the circle from the person it, who sent it back to the person. I think that's exactly. how you know that you have a sticky idea, right? And that it's, it's meeting a pain point for lots of people. If it can go viral in that sort of way where it co- makes a complete 360 circle and comes all the way back around. I think that, least- that's when, what did you think about that? You're like, okay, I think we're onto something. To be honest, back then I thought, well, we're obviously onto a big problem because we didn't have a solution yet. So it basically just verified like this problem is huge um, and people will go far um, and out of the way to get funding. Um, but we didn't know, I mean, that basically the next step from that was like, then we had 200 applications, but we didn't have an idea on how to crack this access to funding problem. We didn't have an idea. We didn't have a company. We didn't have funding. We didn't have a team. Um, 
So although that was promising, it was like really just wait, very Francisca. Promising. Did you have an oh shit moment? Like what did we just do? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Now because, people have expectations. Yeah. How are we going to do this? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean. We but back then we really we just started right and for us it was part of our research but then suddenly you raise an expectation with 200 entrepreneurs um, and I mean we're doing this because we believe in entrepreneurs and so we're like oh no no we kind of like we have all those applicants they 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 want to see something so now we need to like really ramp up the ideation process and product development as fast as possible. So what was behind the transition of the name from Jumpstart 21 to Unconventional Capital? Um I mean Jumpstart 21 we didn't put any thinking into that or like n- not a lot at least. We just said it should be something that sounds I don't know, sounds like acceleration and something like um 21st century etc. Um, but then finding the actual name at the moment where we said, okay, this could work. We need to set up a company. Um, it took us actually quite a while. Um, but it, in the product development, we realized that what we're doing is unconventional. It needs to be unconventional. And we also, we want it to be unconventional. Um, and so I think this, this word or this term just came up again and again. And eventually we said, I think let's, let's just go with it. Um, but find a way where we can at least like unconventional capital is quite long. <laughs> I always realize that when I type in my email address, because also the website is unconventional.capital. So we had to find something that kind of like shortens it to, to uncap. Um, but also there, like the moment you start asking people for their opinion, you get so many different opinions. Um, and many people were asked that, well, with un, you actually have a negative association. Or it sounds like UN, or they think you will work for the UN, or whatever. But we just said, okay. If you talk, if you talk, none of those people, things actually come to my mind when I hear uncap, because for me it sounds almost like unlock, like you're on, yeah, uncapping yeah. potential, yeah, yeah. And so that's what comes to mind. I don't think of the UN nice. or anything like that, or anything <laughs> negative. Thank you. Yeah, no, but the the uncap only like this. You actually you're un- uncapping something. That only came later to our mind. It was like, well, it, it fits perfectly to what we want to say. So walk us through your funding methodology so that the people listening understand mm-hmm. how UNCAP works and what's unconventional about how you're mm-hmm. proposing or no, you're actually doing it, allocating capital. Yeah, no, very, very happy to, um, because I think... Um, This is also what makes it tangible, what we actually do. Um, otherwise, it always sounds like a lofty, big concept. <laughs> so basically, um, when we started the ideation process, like I said before, we had to lower the costs. We had to make it scalable, but we also wanted to make it as unbiased as possible. Like we really wanted to take out the very human bias we all have when we meet other people. And there was a bias we realized in ourselves when we were meeting entrepreneurs that we automatically um, were more prone to invest in entrepreneurs that know how to pitch well, they know how to present themselves, they may, maybe they were Western educated. Um, and that was a moment where I said, okay, like th- this is not how it's going to work. Um, and so naturally, like 
technology um, had to be involved somehow. Automation had to be involved. Um, and so we decided to really double down on a process that will focus heavily on the entrepreneur's potential because this is what we think really matters when you're investing in an early stage entrepreneur. Um, so our due diligence basically um, analyzes entrepreneur potential. Um, so at the moment, um, we just launched our new platform that really automates the whole process. And you as an entrepreneur, you go to the website, you click apply, put in your details, register with your company, and then you guide it through a seven step process that um, ask you a couple of different questions. Um, and it focuses on certain skills, it focuses on certain personality traits, um, it analyzes your own understanding of your business. Um, and it also looks at things like, what is your commitment and your mindset when you start a business? And then afterwards, you basically you submit your application. Um, we have an algorithm that then attributes certain scores to your answers. Um, and then afterwards, you will receive a funding offer. So basically, um, we have an algorithm that um, puts different weights to different kind of like um, dimensions. Um, and then we're investing in those entrepreneurs that perform best. This algorithm is still in its early stages. We know that it works because we've done our first investment round or actually two rounds. But of course, with every new investment we're going to make, um, the precision and the predictive um, value of this algorithm will get better. Um, and then afterwards, you will, through the platform, you will receive a funding offer. Uh, the funding offer is highly standardized. Um, it's very transparent. Um, we're doing the whole KYC anti-modeling signing on the platform. And then afterwards, um, and once KYC meaning know your customers. Sorry, know your customers. Sorry, <laughs> not me familiar with the term. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's uh, know your customer, not Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. Um, I, I think I said KFC at some point in some uh, kind of like uh, conversation. <laughs> that is funny. Um, <laughs> and so basically after that, once we invested, um, you get access to a dashboard. Um, and that dashboard really helps you as an entrepreneur understand your business better. It gives you access to resources from partners. It gives you access to training programs. Um, and it also helps you to build your digital track record of your business. Um, so we're analyzing your behavior, how often you report, if you report on time, if you pay back, um, how your financial performance evolves to make it easier for you afterwards to apply for follow on funding at kind of like different investors or even like a bank loan. So the process seems very automated, but oftentimes people need what we call technical assistance. They need more of a human touch. How mm. do you handle that need? I mean, I, I fully agree. And um, the good thing is, I mean, we are an early stage business ourselves and we, we need a lot of human touch. Um, so we get a lot of support from people in our network, but when we set up our process, um, it was very clear that we have to sacrifice something in order to make it scalable. Um, and what we had to sacrifice is that us personally, as UNCAP, as a team, are getting involved in the business we invest in. 
nevertheless, I think at this point, there are like plenty of fantastic partners out there who are doing a great job, especially around the technical assistance part. Um, and I think you as an entrepreneur, you can basically choose what you need at what point in time. Um, so at the moment, our approach is we're onboarding partners um, on a regular basis who are basically um, complementing our financial offering with, with capability development training, et cetera. That's wonderful. So they will have, depending on which country they're, um, you're invest, you're, 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 the country, the, the companies that you invest in are located, they'll have access to technical assistance on the ground in that country. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, I mean, we're also trying actually to look at um, on the ground, but also online technical assistance, because I think a lot has happened last year during Corona. And we could see fantastic organizations actually looking at ways to shift many of their, um, basically of their programs online. And I think there are also programs, um, for example, Google for Startups that have mainly online first programs. Um, and then you as a company can basically decide what do I need? What are things that I want on the ground, basically offline support, what are things we're looking at a really well-made video webinar is absolutely sufficient. That sounds wonderful. Now tell me, now that you've started, what have you learned about African entrepreneurs since you started on cap that changed what you thought before you started? Um, nothing actually <laughs> and that, I mean that, that that sounds like is a as if I have learned nothing no of course I learned tons um I learned tons about doing business I learned tons about myself um but I think what I mean we started because we really really believe in African entrepreneurs and we believe that they're like fantastic entrepreneurs I think the entrepreneur potential on this uh, continent is greater than than anywhere else um, and this is exactly what we've seen. Um, we're meeting fantastic entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs who are, I think, running a business uh, much better than I do um, and from whom we can actually learn a lot. So tell me about some of the things that you learned about yourself and about doing business. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure if it's too early to say, but I, I know I can actually start a company. <laughs> that was something I, I never... I mean, I never saw myself as a potential entrepreneur when I was younger, because I always saw like these, the Gates and the, I don't know, Zuckerbergs and Buffets, et cetera. Um, they were all male and they were all very different from me. Um, and I'm more like an entrepreneur by accident, I would say. Um, but I think if you're starting a business, um, you're, there's so much growth that needs to happen on the go. Um, and that usually happens when you hit a certain challenge. <laughs> Um, and you also like you only realize that you've grown afterwards. I mean, in the moment you're in it, it's just doesn't feel too great. <laughs> it doesn't um, feel like growth. It feels like hell. No, <laughs> yeah, it feels like hell and it feels like failure and it feels like weakness. Um, but once you've gone through it, I mean, you, you learned and you grew, um, even if you failed. I think it, that, that's not actually the point. Um, and so now I think I, I know much better what my strengths are. Um, and I know that um, I have much more resilience than I thought before that. I think that those are some wonderful learnings and takeaway. 
As we start to wrap up this conversation, what is the near and long-term goal for capital allocation via ONCAP? I mean, you heard it, 50,000 entrepreneurs. <laughs> that, that truly is our goal. I mean, um, not yet per year, <laughs> but at least like over, over the next 10 years. Um, so basically, we want to do a new investment round with this platform that we just launched by the end of the year of at least 100 entrepreneurs. Um, and then we'll kind of like learn from those investments. We iterate, we adapt. Um, and then the next step will be like 2,000 entrepreneurs. So we continuously want to grow um, as long as we have the feeling we learned enough from the cohort before. We know how to be more predictive in our analysis. We know how to have better investment offers for entrepreneurs. And we also know how to best um, support them after we invested. And so I think um, they're like we, we, we need to scale. Like 20 million entrepreneurs without funding like <laughs> we, we need to get there and not just in like in 200 years. Um, and in order to do that, we're also, we're growing the team bit by bit. Um, and we're kind of like learning as much as we can um, with every, every day, actually. I know you recently had an information webinar. Will mm-hmm. you continue to have those periodically? Yes, for sure. Um, so I think the, the webinar was actually um, something we thought about um, a couple of times. And we've even done webinars with the current investment cohort on, on different topics. Um, and it, it, it has shown to be quite, a, quite an interesting format um, because you, can, you have this human touch. You have this kind of like um, component where you can actually talk to the entrepreneurs. They, take, they can talk to us. They, they know... How, who are actually the faces behind Uncap? Because we we are still an early stage company. Um, so when you when you decide that you apply with us, you you need to trust us, or you you want to trust us. <laughs> um, and so you probably also want to see see us, and you want to know how we think about it. Um, and so we will have more webinars um, for the rest of September every week. Um, and afterwards, we'll for sure continue webinars for the for the um, companies we're invested in. Yeah, I think the info session webinars for people who are potentially interested are good. And it's a it's a good way to to build up the trust factor mm-hmm. for them to get to know who's behind the company, to get information about how it works as a way for them to decide whether or not this is a good mm-hmm. option for them. So because I had reposted your one of your webinars and a couple of people mm-hmm. commented, they're like, oh, we missed it. But I'm like, I think there'll be more. So stay tuned. Yeah, there will be more and there's also recording. Um, I don't think it has been uploaded yet, but we'll do so. So Francisca, before we go, tell us for people who might be interested in learning more about ONCAP, where are you on the internet, social media, all of those things, who should they get in touch with? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we're everywhere at the moment, at least, or at least we try to be. Um, the best way is to go on our website, www.unconventional.capital. Um, this is where we have most details on the current investment offer. It's basically um, open to entrepreneurs in Kenya, Rwanda, Uganda, and Nigeria, though everyone can apply um, already now in order to be kind of like onboarded to the platform for future funding rounds. 
We're investing between ten to fifty thousand dollars. We're investing through a revenue-based financing offer. So that's something that might be not everyone is familiar with. So there are more details about that on the website and in our FAQs. Um, we also post actually a lot on LinkedIn. So we also have like a company channel on LinkedIn. So um, follow them on Twitter. LinkedIn at yeah on cap. <laughs> Follow us on LinkedIn on Uncap. Um, and there's actually our new marketing lead, Mambui, um, is doing some fantastic um, outreach there with kind of like very informative formats, I think videos and slides and everything that, that that's possible. Wonderful. Francisca, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Where's the Funding podcast. For our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode. We would love to hear your feedback. So make sure you are rating and reviewing this podcast. Make sure that you subscribe. We are on all major podcast streaming platforms. So make sure you subscribe, stream, download, rate, review, do all that good stuff and follow the podcast on Instagram at where's the funding podcast. Thank you all very much and join me for the next episode. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for having me.